I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, welcome to Good Job, where we interview some inspiring people from the music industry and look at their journey from their very worst job to present day. For me, I'm always, I was always somehow born and raised in the working class and I think that's a good level, a good ground to start from. Yeah. Hello, welcome to Good Job, where we look at some wonderful, inspiring people behind the music that you guys love. And I know you love this music and I know you love this guy. It's Mr. Ralph Sheepers. He is fantastic. He is such a lovely guy. So lovely to chat to. And he had some lovely, lovely insights. And he's just a cracking singer, like a real, real good singer. So we talked about his worst job, as we normally do. We talked about how his voice has changed throughout the years, how the industry has changed, and what it takes to become a metal singer. So we're going to start with our normal first question. What's your worst ever job? Oh, yes. I was 16 working in a just common company, fitting magazines for mechanical parts. And, you know, I had this earplugs still. I had the, the foamy earplugs and I really pushed them really into my brain almost so when I was really exhausted the evening, and you know, that was really worst. Uh, that was my worst thing I did ever in my life. So what was your journey from a job like this into music? How did you get into music in the first place? Uh, basically, you get into music and just listening to it and liking it, you know. So it's really like singing along. And, and I always thought, well, it doesn't sound so bad. I sound in tune. But anyway, it was the, the early 80s when I joined a school band then because I always was actually singing in music class. I sung for grades for so getting notes, you know what I mean? So so I always got the one, which is the A, whatever it is in England, I don't know. But it's a one, it's a, it's a very good. And that really uh, helped me a lot to be motivated to, to keep doing what I do. And so I started singing in a school band, like, I mean, many, many musicians did at that time. Yeah, we just re- was singing through a plastic uh, microphone into a cassette recorder, you know, that's how it all started. And we did uh, Sweet Home Alabama, I remember. Uh, and then it's I uh, really uh, felt something. This is something special. And then um, it got more, a little bit more pro when we really got a rehearsing room then with my mates. And we just did cover songs at the beginning until we started to compose our own music. And uh, then we had gigs. And uh, that was the first time when you stand in front of a crowd. It's really, I was really nervous and I was, it was hard to sing at the day, uh, back in the days with the nervousness you have at the, at the time. Yeah. Uh, but I got used to that. And then it got it turned into adrenaline. And that's a good thing. Now, and since then, I was addicted. So you never get rid of it. <laughs> yeah. You're, do you still get nervous to this day? Five minutes before the show, there's this healthy thing of nervousness that, that you really have to have to be focused in the end. So the cocktail of adrenaline and the, and the nervousness you have is just really healthy to do a good show. 
And you've always felt like you could sing to a certain extent, but you've also done a lot of work on your voice. What do you think the balance is between that? Do you think anyone can sing or do you think you need a certain amount of talent to grow that talent? It's, I think it's the same thing with guitar players. They have skills, but it always comes back to how the music ends up. You know, in my, I mean, there's simple songs out there. There's simple songs to sing, which are world hits. And it's not only about the singing. It's not only about the guitarists. It's not only about the drums and bass and so forth. It's the whole chemistry and the whole song which has, has to work. Coming back to your question, I always uh, felt that I can really go low and really high. And I try to use that in our music, of course, and, and that's what I do with Primal Fear as well. But if the song doesn't need to be very low or very high, you just set certain spices, like you could go high here, it could go high there. Just And if it's not really working out in the song, if it doesn't fit, why not stay in just with one melody line, a simple one? Because... In the end, you know, the fans sing along with the song and they want to sing it somehow, even if it's an octave lower or whatever. But I, I think you get the point, what I mean. So you don't really have to do all the gymnastics with your voice for every song. But the good thing is that it's there and you, you can do it, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's nice to have that tool, but it is a tool, I guess, in the end. It isn't the be-all and end-all of singing. Exactly, yes. So you've been in the industry. You've been in the industry for a while. How has it changed over the years? Well... It changed in terms of recordings, of course. The whole items have changed, you know, the tools you have nowadays. It's like we are recording now this show on Pro Tools. It's the same with vocals or whatever. I mean, I started with a 24-track tape back in the days with my first band, Tire and Pace, the first recording band. And, of course, we did that with Gamma Ray as well. So in terms of uh, working tools you have, it changed a lot because technique just really evolved like crazy. In terms of business... It always was a little bit of another down in the 80s. There was this peak when I was still a kid and I was not in a band, like I said. But uh, starting my thing, there was this new wave of British heavy metal, as we all, as we all know, Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, Black Sabbath and so forth. And also the German band Scorpions, which is not British, of course. But anyway, there was a peak of the, the hard rock heavy metal genre. And since then, in my opinion, there's always this healthy amount of people listening to it. And these... People are the real fans who still buy physical CDs of physical music. You know what I mean? So having a, even the vinyl in hand or, or the physical stuff and they read the lyrics and have the sheets. It's something really special to them. So compared to nowadays, the kids, they have MP3 files. And uh, if they hear then the difference of uh, sound quality of a vinyl or a CD and the MP3, then they start to think again that, well, maybe uh, we should get some better quality. There's always, in heavy metal, there's always this healthy certain base of people who are listening to the stuff, which are filling concerts, which are going to, to festivals like Wacken in Germany, for instance, or Monsters of Rock all around the world, wherever it is. People still gather together to have a good time to heavy metal. Yeah, of course. Well, why do you think people are attracted to heavy metal? Because as you say, it kind of spans a lot of ages. Like young people get into it as well. And it's obviously not the mainstream genre, but people still love it. Yeah, but I think it's a certain feeling of honest things coming from stage. You know, people on stage who are living exactly what they're doing on stage. And, you know, it's it's kind of give and take. It's it's. I always say it's a big family, even if you are on stage as a musician or if you are a fan downstairs. We both need each other. So, <laughs> you know, that's a, that's a good chemistry. And yeah, people coming and, and younger people are coming. That's what we also uh, recognize when we do our world tours. 
And that's just great because, I mean, they feel the energy coming from, from hard rock and heavy metal music. Uh, and still having the melody, I mean, you still have the hook lines, the melodies and the quality in the music. And people can really judge and hear that. Yeah, I think even if you're not a musician, you know when it's good quality music, when you're listening to something that's good. And people can't always put their finger on it, but they know. I agree, yeah. So one of the main questions, I, I put out an Instagram, what would you ask Ralph message? And one of the main questions is that people have felt that you've improved from your early days in Gamma Ray and through to Primal Fear and you've your voice has grown and grown and grown. How have you managed to do that, especially as you've aged as well? First of all, thank you for the compliment. And uh, yes, I mean, you know, that's you always somehow try to improve whenever you say, well, I'm satisfied, I keep it that way, then maybe you should retire. <laughs> no, yeah. what I'm trying to say is you always try to go up the ladder and the downstairs, right? So that's also with singing, that's with composing, that's with everything in your life because your view is up front and not to the back. But coming back to the voice, I mean, I have records where I really say I would love to record this again with my with my voice nowadays because you're learning so much in the recording process, in the writing process, in the life process over the years. Then you, if you look back, you still like what you did back then, but you wanted, to, in terms of sound and, and the sound of the voice you have, you want to uh, re-record it. And certain, yeah, it's a matureness. It's in, in the voice, which is really somehow like a, like a good wine. When a wine gets old, it tastes better. So that's uh, how people also compare my voice to, to my old, younger days. And uh, I'm really grateful and I'm really happy that it's still the case and that I have my tools to keep myself uh, fit in terms of uh, vocal health stuff and trying to be healthy on tour and not drink so much, sleep a lot and so forth. Sometimes it's not possible. And then comes the rock and roll factor again where you think, well, it's just the case. Just uh, accept it how it is and you have to do it. And I suppose there's so many people from your sort of era who their voice has diminished throughout the years, but you're not one of those people. You've looked after your voice. And how have you done that? I wouldn't say I have my fatigue. When I'm on tour, for instance, it's not easy when you do this three, four weeks, three, four months in a row. And then, of course, you try to really not speak the whole day. I mean, everybody is also really different. Everybody is unique, you know, so... Maybe Bon Scott back in the days did it every day and, and still was going out having fun or whatever. I couldn't do that. I have to really relax and, and, and take care that I don't speak so much during the day and that I do my exercises I do. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm really happy. Like I say, it's almost 40 years of screaming and singing now, and I'm really happy that it's still there. Without saying that I don't feel that something's going on, but I have to really warm up my voice and then it's back. Mm. And what would your warm up entail? What do you have in a warm up? Well, I do the bubbles, like you know, you know, all this stuff. All the other vocal teachers teach you as well. I have the straw, which also helps me a lot to have no more stress with my fellow musicians because I was screaming around like crazy before the show. So now, since I have the straw and I'm warming up with the straw, it's really uh, taking away the volume and the loudness. So that's great, and it still works great. So that's a good thing to warm up. Yeah, and then I do my my individual sheepers internal scream, this kind of thing that helps to me to get my vocal folds really working. Great. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So what a lot of my Instagram followers have been really curious about is your relationship with Judas Priest and how you met them. I know we had a bit of discussion before. You originally were a fan, so and now you know them. So that's really interesting. Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, the relationship is not really a relationship. It's just back in the days in Gamma Ray, when Rob was out of Judas Priest, I sent out an application just just out of fun, and I didn't really think there's a feedback or whatever. But then the latter came back that they're interested, and I was, wow, I was really happy. But in the end, we all know what happened. They had Ripper and so forth, which is a fantastic singer and totally fit into Judas Priest back in the days. We are all happy that everything is like it is, like Primal Fear was born and so forth, you know. But, you know, I never was invited for the, the for the audition. And, of course, your first place you are disappointed. But in, on the other hand, then, again, just look forward and go your own way. Uh, look, Think positive, and that's what I did. We first met when they were in Stuttgart, my hometown, then with the Ripper era, where Ripper Owens was the singer of Priest. And they said, well... It was the first time we met, and uh, they really said, you, you hear what's going on, it's fantastic. And they were really nice, so it's, it's all good, and it's all on a really friendly level. And still now when we meet, I mean, all, I'm also friends with Rob, you know. The, it's just imagine, it was my, my idol and everything, and now he's been friends with such a great human being. He's just a really wonderful person. I still have the, the opinion that if somebody is well-talented and you stay humble still, that's just a great thing to do, you know. That's that's what you can give back to the people. Just being friendly on a on an honest level, not not playing a role or something. But you really feel that it's coming from the heart when you speak to persons, you know. Do you find that most of the people who are at this high level, do you find that they're humble, or do you get a mix of people? Yeah, most I, th- I would say ninety percent are humble. It's so nice to hear that though, because there's a bit of a misconception, and maybe because those the people who are mean get the the press <laughs> a little bit more. Um, so there's a misconception that people who are successful are also horrible people and have had to stamp on other people to get there, but it's just not true. Yeah, I mean, it's sometimes it's also the management, but we as musicians, we sometimes that's good that we have those people who are somehow protecting us because it's it's getting too much, you know, it's really getting too much, and you don't want to be the person saying. I'm sorry, fuck off or whatever, you know, but because that's not what you are, because you, that's your fans and you don't, you, you cannot treat people like that who are, who are really adoring you and buying your stuff. But if you just imagine if there's one or two or three persons, maybe you can handle that on your own. But if this all of a sudden there's three or 400 coming to you at a signing session or a listening session or whatever, and then and everybody will come to you, that will be not possible. 
And of course, sometimes when you walk the streets like that, or, or even in the venue, whatever, then maybe the opinion comes up, oh, what he's he's not down to earth, or he's a, he's a rock star behavior, whatever. But sometimes you're just tired, and, and you just don't want to listen, don't want to speak to anybody, you know? Well, that's kind of comes along with being famous and you've had like your impressions with that and how have you dealt with that when people go absolutely mad and you can't get time alone and things like that well i mean then you just have to you can't do anything anymore you just have to maybe because it makes no sense to freak out you just have to make party with them or whatever but as i said before i'm the guy on on the road when i'm doing long tours i can't speak at all I and mean, just imagine then you speak to many people during the day you always think about the show because you're pro right it's tricky to get that balance isn't it between how the fans want to talk to you and spend that time with you but you also need to make sure that you give them the best show possible so getting that line is a really fine line to walk it is absolutely yes what have your best moments been throughout the years? It's just always great to stand on stages like Wacken, the, the big festival where you can see people to the horizon in all these big festivals. But also the club shows, it's all, you know, it's very, very unique things because in the club shows you have contact to the people to the first row, whatever. And on festivals, you just go out no matter what you do. It's loud and it's just amazing. And, and there's a lot of adrenaline going on and you just simply get addicted to it. It's in your blood and you don't want to miss it. So that's the best moments, of course. Uh, and, and actually being with my mates in the band, also including technicians like Neil, for instance, it's just great when you travel the world to have real people around you you went through every shit together, even good and bad things that sticks together, you know. So that's a good thing to, to be in a good company on the road. Mm, for sure. Have you got any advice for someone who would like to have a career in metal or just singing in general? How could they start? What's the first steps that you should take? That's not easy. You know, nowadays, if my son would tell me that I want to make start music, I would say stop doing it, <laughs> but and it's not fair because on the other hand, I also say you have to be really, really, you have to have a lot of endurance, you know, because the business, it's not easy anymore. Hopefully it comes back that people are buying CDs and, and vinyl again, but it's not easy anymore because there's so many bands trying, trying, trying. I think the offer is more than the request these days. Yeah, I mean, if you have a great talent and you know and, and that's your conviction and that's you're totally into it and you're totally convinced that you are on the good path and you do it and then don't stop go 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 that's good but never forget the secure way to to earn your bucks on the other hand as well with a regular job or whatever i mean if you started uh, we all know the story starting as dishwashers being a star in the end that was because people still had to work. And, and, and I also worked since 10 years ago still, you know, so that's a smart thing to do, you know. Wow. So, I mean, I know you still, you work as a vocal coach still, but have you continued to work the whole way through in another job as well? Yeah. Since 10 years, I was a technician in a company. Yes. That's cool. It's actually nice to see and refreshing because I feel like a lot of people in the industry or people think that once you've made it to a certain level, then you've just you've made it and suddenly you're a millionaire or something like that. But you're not. You're still continuing with the, the same jobs. And a lot of people who are very high levels are still doing this. So it's nice to hear that instead of someone just being like, oh, I'm, I'm not doing this. 
I mean, that also keeps us humble as we are because we still keep in touch to the ground, whatever, you know. I was born and raised like that. It's you not know, maybe for other people it's different again, you know, if they are born like into a star family or whatever, even if it's Formula One, if it's sport, is it if it's music or anything, I think then it's not so easy and it's difficult. But for me, I'm always I was always somehow born and raised in the working class. And um I think that's a good level, a good ground to start from, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Were your family supportive of your music? Or did they find it difficult? Oh, they, yeah, they, they found it very difficult. My dad really didn't like it a long time that I was doing that. and But he was also okay because I was doing my regular job. So there's nothing. If I would if I have told my father uh, I quit and just do my music, then he would go nuts. But, not, but uh, that was not the case. And then, of, of course, at a certain age, you are grown up and mature enough to decide on your own. <laughs> Were you always down the metal line or did you ever think like oh i i might go into a different genre or is it me metal for you the whole way i try different things but for me it was clear that i will always do metal in terms of releasing music and stuff you know so i would never say never to um, not release maybe a pop song here and there because music is so much about melody we got melody in metal we also have melody in pop music which i like phil collins for instance and so forth so all this uh, great music also of the 80s do you write the music as well for primal fear we're doing a good teamwork so matt is really writing a lot of lyrics and also has his melodies and i have somehow like 50% of, of the melodies and, and lyrics written on an album Yes, in terms of uh, composing, everybody's working together as a, as a great team, and that's good. That's really nice as well, because it's often seen as the singer just being the, the songwriter and things in the band, but often it's the whole band who are involved, and people forget about that. That's true, yes, yeah. I was going to ask as well, do you have any advice for writing then, in that case, since you've done... A bit of writing. I'm actually offering productions, vocal productions here as well. And what I what come people come to me and have this and that idea, and they always tend to sing the same melody like the guitar riff for us, uh, for instance. So he it's the same like the guitar riff, whatever. So try to use the whole accord you have, the whole harmony you have. You have so many possibilities when it comes to finding good melodies. It's not only repeating the same thing like a guitar or whatever. Sometimes it works. For instance, uh, NIB from Black Sabbath. Some people say, my love cannot be true. That's the riff, right? And that works here and there, but not always. And, and that's, my, what I, that's my advice I give to the people. And also try to learn to sing harmonies. Learn about major and minor. That's the most important thing when it comes to choirs and, and harmonies you do, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's important, I think. Or at least to learn a little bit by little bit if you can. Okay, tell us what you're up to now. What's going on with life now? Yeah, we're recording. So we are writing the new Primal Fear album, which is going to be released early next year, 2020. We are doing some summer festivals, not so much this year as we are writing, but there are some festivals in Spain and in Germany. We have Czech Republic, we have... Sweden, Portugal, the Baltic Open Air, Switzerland, and we have also then the North German Festival. You know, that's uh, what I like about the festivals is just you can really sing only every weekend. You can go for it 100% and just really don't care about your voice. But this year it's a little bit different. As I said, we're recording and I, I'm recording in between the festivals, so I should 
really take care. And when you're on that stage, you just do it and you, you don't think about anything else anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, I can imagine you just go for it, especially with the festival when you've got all those people there. Yes. It's like it's not contained in any way. You've just got the world in front of you. Good job. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.